0: Mama said, don't give up, it's a little complicated They say it's all been done, but they haven't seen the best of me So I got one more Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Community Church. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I'm so excited to be here with you all this morning. Uh, we are in the midst of a series here at RHS uh, called How. And this morning, we're going to be talking about how to share an entire building with a whole other organization. Um, <laughs> Which has been awesome, right? It's so cool to see them. It was fun because we were warming up, and people are like peeking in, like, "What, what's going on in there? What's that all about?" It was just really cool to see. Uh, and who doesn't want to listen to these guys uh, play in the morning? That's really fun. Uh, yeah, right. It was cool. But for starters, uh, really quickly, uh, they were here first, so the the lesson is we share really well, okay? We need to share really well because um, it's awesome that we can even be here in this place, and we want to continue to do that, and you'll notice that we didn't have uh, uh, any coffee or donuts here this morning. Uh, That's because they're selling concessions, and we want to make sure that they sell a whole ton of concessions because they want to like having us here. It's awesome to share it and be good sharers together. So I encourage you afterwards... Go on and grab something from the concessions over there. Support the basketball here in Ripon, the basketball group. Uh, they have homemade cheesecake, I heard, so that's cool. Um, you could go and do that. Um, and uh, just, it'd be fun to, a fun way to, to share this place with them and make sure that they feel like they're, they're well received and that, that we can be here and keep on sharing it uh, here. And, and it's also just a really neat way to be part of the community. Like, we are so much a part of the Ripon community, and it's a fun way to share it here this morning. Uh, Honestly, uh, it's kind of fun to think about because it's basketball. If it was wrestling, I might not be speaking to be somebody else. Um, You might notice it's basketball, so Mike's not speaking. He might be going to catch a couple games. It should be fun this morning. Maybe you can check them out a little later. Anyways, we are in this How series, and for our How series, uh, we're asking a bunch of different questions about how we can do different things. We talked about how we could be forgiven or feel forgiven from God last week. And this week, we're going to talk about how to overcome failure. How to overcome failure. Who wants to talk about failure? Seriously, like, do any of you want to talk about failure? Because I don't want to talk about my failures this morning. Uh, It's kind of one of those things, isn't it? Uh, it's not that topic that you're really excited to talk about right away because it feels something inside of yourself when you, when you do. Failure is that thing that, that puts that pit in your stomach, that, that dread-inducing thing when you have to bring it up and you have to show it to other people. It, it can make you feel alone. It can make you feel ashamed. Failure is that thing. It's an ugly thing. So before we get too far in, we need to address one thing. We need to get a whole lot of junk out of our heads because failure failure is inevitable. It is going to happen to every last one of us. It's everywhere, all around us. It's always happening. I mean just take a look, it's always happening. Hopefully none of you did that on your way in this morning, that last one. Uh, But that last one, for some reason it gets me because there he sits and he's like, oh man. (laughs) You're just kind of sitting in the failure for a little bit. Failure is everywhere. It's all around us. And you know what? It's, It's actually in this place that I think most of us would not think it would be. Failure is, is all over the Bible. Like You can't hardly turn a page without finding some kind of failure. You see Adam and Eve, and, and Adam and Eve, they, they eat the apple, or they eat the forbidden fruit. Uh, Noah, after like doing the whole ark thing and the flood thing, he uh, has a few too many to drink and ends up uh, showing his uh, bare bum to more people than he wanted to. Uh, King David, he, he goes to great lengths to cover up his failure, trying so hard to cover it up. King Solomon, he, he is told to be wise or said to be wise, but he ends up not worshiping only God. He these, worships these idols. And, and Peter, if you've heard of Peter, well, well, we'll get to Peter in just a little while. Each of these people, these pillars, these much loud and much admired people, they all, every, every last one of them, they all failed. We all do it. We, we all fail. So when it happens... The first thing we can do to overcome it is to acknowledge that fact. Yes, we're all going to do it. We're all going to fail. The Bible even shows us that that's the reality. We see it all throughout. There's no sense in avoiding it. If failure is inevitable, though, if failure is inevitable, if it's a fact of life, then how we deal with it, how we overcome it, matters. In fact, How we choose to overcome failure, it could actually be the determining factor for the kind of life we live. So let's talk about it. How should we overcome failure in our life? I read this this article this last week. It's by a a professional mountain runner. His name's uh, Zach Miller. And it's fun to watch him and follow him because he's kind of a crazy guy. He does some crazy things, uh, but he's most known for running at at extreme levels, like he runs to the mountains, and there's this video clip of him literally exhausted to a crazy degree, going as fast as he can, you can't hardly breathe fast enough, just sprinting ahead, he like guts it out to this crazy degree, so he's really well known for that, it's kind of a cool thing, uh, but he occasionally will write articles for this running magazine thing. And in this article that he wrote, it was titled, No Wedgies, No Wedgies. And uh, he talked about how he had gone on this, uh, uh, gone skiing on this mountaintop. And so he's going up the mountain on the ski lift, and he overhears a ski instructor yelling to the students, Hey, no wedgies, no pizzas. And if you've skied before going downhill, you, you probably know what that is. It's where you kind of curve your legs out so that you can slow yourself down, so you can be a little cautious. And the idea when you ski is you don't want to be super cautious. You want to actually be able to go down the hill without doing the wedges and the, and the pizzas, so to speak. And so he's yelling this, and this gets this guy, that guy thinking as he's writing this article about how when we're too cautious in life, it can lead to some not so good things and it actually can hinder us more than help us. So we all know failure is inevitable, but if you're too careful, it actually can cause you to fail even more. So he talks about in, in running down a hill and like you're avoiding rocks and all kinds of crazy stuff. He says that if you're too cautious, it'll actually get worse. You'll fall more often. But we can see how well, and he relates it to as this well, this applies to life. We know we're going to fail, but sometimes because we know, we end up being so cautious that it actually gets worse. It becomes this downward spiral of sorts. So, when we talk about this, when we're talking about overcoming failure, and we know that failure is inevitable, to overcome failure, we also have to know that we should not let the inevitability of failure paralyze us with caution. Just because we're going to fail doesn't mean we should tiptoe through our life. Because what actually happens is it ends up worse. It ends up worse. It actually makes you more likely to fail. It's, it's like riding a bike, right? You, you're, you're riding a bike, and, and if you try and ride really slowly, try to stay up. It's really difficult. But with some momentum and some movement, you can stay up. It helps to keep moving. So as, as you're thinking about this, and as you have, have the ability to have some momentum, we have this reality that it's going to happen. We are going to fail. But what do you do when it happens? What do you do when you do fail? The, the second step in our process this morning is this, is you assess the miss, not the mess. You assess the miss, not the mess. Whenever we fail, it's actually this really fantastic chance to learn. Maybe you, you've heard the phrase, it's, it's only a failure if you don't learn something. There's some truth to that. A failure definitely stays a failure if you don't learn anything. However, however, A failure can become a win when you do learn something, when you do learn something. We can all win at most of our failures. There are opportunities for us in every last one of them. And to do so, you have to start by assessing the miss, not the mess. There could be all kinds of big messes. There could be a big mess, there could be a small mess, but the size of the mess doesn't always determine how big of a miss it was for you. You could have barely missed, but the mess was just monstrous. Or you could have missed by a mile, and it really wasn't much of a mess. When learning from failure, the mess doesn't matter as much as the miss does. Uh, take, for example, a, a bow and an arrow. I have a, an unstrung bow. Don't worry, it's not strung. There's no arrows, okay? It's just a piece of wood, okay? You got this bow here, and you've got a target, right? You've got that target, And it's looking like I'm going backwards, but because it's not strung, it's just curved that way. somebody told me I was holding the bow backwards. I'm not, just so you know. Um, Anyways, another thing. So you got a bow, right? And you got an arrow. And you got your pretend arrow here. And and you're shooting at a target. So you take your first shot and you hit it. And it goes pretty well, right? You're close. You're kind of close. And it's like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm just going to keep on going. So you take another shot and you you miss. um, And you hit your favorite chicken. Or you hurt a friend, right? And so you you realize, I need to learn from this. And so as you're, you're seeing where you are on the target, no matter where you are on the target, you can learn from it. Even if you're way off of it, you know you have to recalibrate. And so you take another shot after recalibrating, and eventually you hit the bullseye. And even then, you can learn, keep on doing more of that, because that's a good thing. It obviously hit the bullseye, so let's keep on doing that. When you shoot the bow, you can see the target. And you can either hit the bullseye or or you don't. And if you didn't, you can learn. And in that moment, you know if you need to make these minor adjustments or if you need to make some major ones. But there are other factors too, right? It's not just this controlled environment all the time. Sometimes there's some wind, Uh, Sometimes it's freezing cold like this last week, and you can't feel your fingers, and so there's obviously some other things in, in the reality of it. Was there a distraction in the moment? In short, what caused the miss, and how much control do you have over your miss? Some things. Some things are just out of your control. They're just out of your control. You don't have any ability to fix it, so you just let it go. But some things, some things are within your control. Assessing the miss is a process that demands deep gut honesty. Like right down here in this gut. You you can't just say, Oh, I kind of think I did fine, I'll just brush over it. No, like deep down in your gut, do you know if it was your fault or not? Was it your doing it or was it some other circumstance or some other issue? Do you have some ownership to take in this mess? You got to get deep into your gut and assess so. You can't lie to yourself. You can't just explain it away. It requires that you look at what's really your fault and, and what's not, owning completely what's yours and letting go of what isn't. Assess the myth, own your part in it. It's kind of like what Pastor Mike talked about last week. We have to get it out there. It's what brings about forgiveness. It's also what helps us overcome failure. It's even what King David did. After trying to cover up this big monstrous mistake that he had done for a long time, and he's trying to make it not happen and and kind of go away, eventually he has to do something. Eventually, he says in Psalm 32, 5, Finally. I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. He owned it. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Assess the miss. Own your part in it. Failure, it only has negative power when we're not willing to learn from it. When we don't learn from it, it, it just sits there and it rattles around, creating this feeling of, of shame. Have you felt shame before? I'm guessing maybe once or a thousand times. Shame happens when we, we, when we believe our value as a person is found in whether or not we succeed. When we feel like failures, we feel ashamed. When we confess our mistakes and failures to God and, and the people that they affect, when we own them, we are reminded God loves us. God loves us and sees us as valuable, whether we succeed or we mess up. That has no bearing on it. Shame will say, oh, you're bankrupt. You've failed too many times. God will say, you are worth the same whether you mess up or you don't. You're always worth something valuable to me. Now, assessing the miss, what it allows you to do is to give you this chance then, after you've owned it, to open up the gateway to recalibration. You can realize that there's this opportunity to say, I've missed by this certain amount. Now, because I know what my responsibility is within this, I can recalibrate. I can aim a little bit differently at the target. And so let's say you've gotten to this point, you you know failure happens, it happens to you, and and you assess the miss, you've owned it, you say sorry to those affected by it, it's out there, what's next? What's the next thing? To to really get at what's next, I want to talk about one of the most famous failures in all of the Bible. He's a really big failure, a really big mess up, his name is Peter. I mean, the guy... I feel so bad for him. The poor guy just couldn't get anything right. Uh, he says the most inappropriate things at the worst possible times. He, he jumps out of a boat trying to walk on water towards Jesus, and he's, he's seeing Jesus, looking at Jesus, and all of a sudden the waves are too big and the wind, and so he looks off of Jesus, and he immediately begins to sink. He, he at one point, says something to Jesus that gets Jesus so upset that, that Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan, because he wanted Jesus to stop talking about what was going to happen next, of him going to the cross. But perhaps the biggest failure comes at the end of Jesus' ministry. Uh, It was the the night called the Last Supper. We call it the Last Supper. The disciples and and Jesus were were celebrating Passover at that time. And so they're celebrating this this meal together, and Jesus knows what's about to happen. And Jesus says to Peter, hey, you're going to deny knowing me three times tonight. It's going to happen. And Peter's like, no, that's not me. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have that happen to me. And so they finish dinner, they go out to the garden, and lo and behold, the, the guards show up, and they're ready to take Jesus. And so they take Jesus, that whole thing happens. Um, as they, they walk away, P- Peter, he follows from a distance. And he follows all the way to where they're keeping Jesus, and there's this courtyard there, and as they're in the courtyard, there's a fire. And, and so Peter, he goes by the fire to warm himself, and they begin to ask him, uh, hey, you seem like you're a Galilean, Galilean, and you must know Jesus. And Peter says, no, no I don't know Jesus. And they ask him again, hey, you, you really look like him, like, like, like somebody who was with Jesus before. You, you must know Jesus. And if you, just don't, you don't understand, I, I don't know Jesus. And the third time, this is what happens. It reads like this in Luke 22. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately... While he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. Can you imagine hearing that, experiencing that? In all honesty, it probably wouldn't be that hard because we've all experienced times like that in our own lives. Fast forward to days later. Jesus, he's been put to death and then is miraculously resurrected. And he appears to the disciples and then speaks directly to Peter. This is what happens. This is what he says. After breakfast, Jesus says, asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Can you imagine that third time? Can you imagine how it must have poked and jabbed at at the shame Peter had hidden away since that third denial? It was just tucked away for him, and he was just feeling it. And there Jesus was just poking at it, like, hey, there it is. I see it. I see it. Can you imagine how much it must have have hurt him to hear Jesus say that? But also, can you imagine how much it must have set him free? Not long after, it's Peter who steps forward to give one, was basically the very first sermon at the very first church service, a day when 3,000 people believed in Jesus. It was Peter who was the rock to start the church. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Number four, our, our, our points this morning is feed some sheep. When trying to overcome failure, feed some sheep when you've failed, when mistakes have riddled your life and, and you've felt the effects of their shame, stop carrying that unbearable load. Stop hiding that shame away and tucking it where you don't want anybody to see it. Maybe you need to hear this morning Jesus asking you, do you love me? And you say, yeah, yeah I love you, Jesus. And feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah, of course, Jesus, I love you. Then start taking care of your family. Do you love me? Yeah, yes, Jesus, I love you. Then get up and move because there's still so much work to do. And get up and, and love your spouse even though you feel a little bit of shame there. And get up and, and make some adjustments. Recalibrate a bit and keep on trying. Keep on moving because you're valuable no matter what. The shame doesn't decrease your value. Get rid of it. You are valued to me. You failed. So what? Keep going. Do you love me? And stop being so cautious. Do you love me? Then love again. Care again. Be you Again. God is not done with any of you yet. There's still more to do. Allow Jesus to touch that pit you feel in your stomach, remind you it's time to get over feeling bad for yourself. Let the shame go and take steps in the direction that God is leading you today. The effects of failure, they can be tragic. They can also be super minor. It depends on what it is. But failure itself is neither good nor bad. Like a a nuclear reaction, uh, it has enormous power, either enormous power for good or enormous power for the worst things in the world. It's your choice to either use it for good or to allow it to wreak havoc on your life. What will you do? What's your choice? How will you deal with failure in your life? Like we've been talking about this whole morning. Failure, it's inevitable. It's reality. Do not let the inevitability of failure paralyze you with caution. Additionally, as you're seeing your failure, assess it. Assess the miss, not the mess. How close were you? Because you might be pretty close. It might just be one more try. And you can get there. Assess the miss, not the mess. And then finally, feed some sheep. Feed some sheep. You can do those things. That's something that's possible for you. I know because this isn't just some story that's out there for me. This is, this is real life. Uh, about eight or nine years ago when I first started here at RCC, um, I was the student pastor here. And so I worked a lot. Of par- big part of my job was to work with students. But an additional part of my job was also outreach. So uh, we talk about how our everybody's. It was the part of our church that talks about everybody fits and everybody invites and that kind of thing. And everybody plays. Like getting people involved and also making people feel super welcome. Uh, and then serving in different ways. So that was a big part of my job. And one of the very first things I was tasked with here at RCC was to put on a fun event downtown for... uh, There was a downtown festival, and we had like a little booth in it that we had some fun games and stuff uh, that we had done in the past. And so I I was told, hey, go ahead and and do this and do it well. And so I set to doing something, and I'll spare you the details. um, But I didn't do it very well. Uh, We got there that day, and even... When I was looking at it, I was like, oh boy, this doesn't look so hot. Uh, This is not what I thought it was going to look like or how it was going to work. And really, after talking with some people, the really only uh, thing we could do that would be not creating a big mess uh, was for us to just completely miss and not be there. So we packed it all up and took it away. And I remember feeling angry and really ashamed of myself. And walking around thinking, man, this is like the one thing I had to do. And I totally messed it up. And like really upset. And at first I was like, no, it was fine. It was just whatever. But over time and just a little bit of walking around, I realized, yeah, no, I, I stunk it up. That was my fault. And so after a little bit of time, I, I began to own it. And I got back up and on Monday morning, I went and chatted with Mike about it. And said I was sorry and like, oh, I messed this up. And for eight more years, realizing what I'd learned from it, I now do things differently with a lot more excellence. But it's been eight more years of trying to feed some sheep, trying to take care of people, trying to point people to Jesus. And I've failed plenty of times since then, but, but I've also gotten a whole lot better at learning from my failures and accepting forgiveness for them and moving past them. Everybody fails. Everybody. What are you going to do when it happens to you? What are you going to do? How are you going to deal with it personally? How will you overcome it? A final thing that that wasn't on the list, a last thing. uh, In in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Don't be alone in this. Don't be alone in your failure. You can have people in your life that can help pick you up when it happens, show you the grace of God saying, hey, you're forgiven and you can move forward. Keep on living. Assess the mess and assess, assess the miss and start feeding some sheep. You can have people that are encourage you in that way. And there's actually something that we're, we're doing. They talked about in the video. Uh, midweek groups and community groups, they're this really easy way to have that in your life. If you're missing that, you don't have to. You don't have to be alone in all this stuff. Basically what community groups and midweek groups are all about, when you essentially boil them down, is a bunch of normal people, talking about normal life stuff and struggles, looking at the Bible saying, hey, what do they do in the Bible? And saying, oh, let's do that together. Let's work on doing that together and encouraging each other and, and having fun together, eating really good food together. That's what a midweek and a community group are all about. So if you're here this morning and you at all want that, I cannot encourage you enough to take that red card if you got one or grab one in the back after, if, after the service if you missed it. Write your name, community group or midweek group down and I, it's just awesome. It's really awesome. Uh, Toss that in there, and I'll be getting in contact with you about the kind of group that I can plug you into. Uh, There's so many great groups. Additionally, if you want to take it one level higher, or one level more intense, I guess would be the better word. um, In your programs, there's a a little blurb about something called Leadership Academy. Uh, And over the past couple of years, we've, we've done Leadership Academy with the leaders in the church, people that are leading different ministries. And it's been amazing. It's the set of eight sessions where you learn about different biblical principles of leadership. It's fantastic. Uh, I cannot encourage you enough. The, The feedback from it has been outstanding. Uh, If you're interested in that, and and this would be taking the failures and learning from them in an even better way, in a bigger way, um, and just learning how to do that well in your life and leading in your home and in your business and all these different ways. If you're interested in that, I I cannot encourage you enough as well to put Leadership Academy down in your your red card as well, and and we'll be in touch with that. Uh, It's going to be awesome. But with that said, what I want to do to finish is this. I just want to say failure really is everywhere. Everywhere. It is inevitable. It is going to happen probably today to lots of you, to me. It's probably going to happen in the Super Bowl. Somebody's going to mess up. Something's going to happen. Maybe the refs. We'll see. Um, <laughs> what are they going to do? Right? How are they going to overcome it? You're here this morning and you know you can. You know you can have a way through it and past it. In that way, most of all is to ask God to help you through it. So as we close here, would you pray with me to ask God to help us overcome failures in our life and have them be good things that come out of it instead of the opposite? Would you pray with me as we close? Dear God, we are just so beside ourselves with gratitude for all that you've done for us. You are amazing. The fact that you love us and forgive us whenever we mess up is, is hard to believe, but it's true. And you say we have value no matter what. And whereas shame says our value is gone with our mistakes, that's not true because you say it's not true. And so you give us forgiveness and grace and help us to learn from our failures. God, this morning, as we think about how we're going to overcome these failures that are coming in our life in these coming weeks or maybe from the past, we ask that you would lead us. Help us to see who we are, says you. And then help us to move forward. Forward so far to the point where we can feed sheep where we can help people, care for people, love the people in our life, and to do it the way that you would have us do it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.